Hi, I'm Erin Marcus, former corporate executive turned entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business. Welcome to the Ready Yet podcast. We're excited to bring you more than 100 episodes of interviews and insights designed to help entrepreneurs get the financial and emotional freedom they need in order to build a business and a life they're proud of. Hi, I'm Erin Marcus, former corporate executive turned entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business. Welcome to the Ready Yet podcast. We're excited to bring you more than 100 episodes of interviews and insights designed to help entrepreneurs get the financial and emotional freedom they need in order to build a business and a life they're proud of. Welcome, welcome to this episode of the Ready Yet podcast, where I'm excited to talk about, talk about, I'm excited to talk to my guest, Grace Foster, about her business model and what she does. We had a great conversation that I just want to share with everybody about how do you iterate your business when you realize you need to adjust your model to reach your goals. Um, But before we get into all of that, why don't you tell everyone who you are and what you do and all the cool things? Absolutely. Thank you, Erin. I'm really happy to be here and excited to to have another great conversation with you. Um, My name is Grace Foster, and I am the co-founder of Bold Type LLC, and Bold Type is a writing skills training company. So we partner with organizations of all shapes and sizes and help train their teams to write better. So we don't do the writing or the editing for our clients, but we teach them how to do their own writing and editing better. And we do, you know, one-on-one coaching, small group workshops, large group presentations, all that good stuff. Um, And we've worked with just about every industry you can think of at this point. Um, It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. And I love what you do because, you know, my background, I have a degree in journalism. I have a writing background and I also have enough experience in the corporate world and in the business world to know that, yeah, you might've passed general composition in high school, but that scary, scary, scary. There's a lot of brilliant people who can do amazing things. And yet when it comes to having to put it in writing, you would never think these people are as brilliant as they actually are. Oh, absolutely. If you have a conversation with those people, they're incredibly articulate, um, you know, very smart. And I think what you said, Erin, about how Sure, maybe you passed, you know, composition class in high school, but that doesn't mean you're you're equipped to write at work is is so insightful because that's what we notice a lot. We uh, my business partner, Casey, and I both also continue to, to lecture in higher ed um, from time to time. And what we notice is that there's a huge gap between the way people are taught to write in school and then the ways in which they are expected to write in the workplace. Like, for example, I always ask my clients, have you ever, um, have you ever taken a class? Like, have you ever had a formal class and how to write emails? And I would say one out of every 50 people says yes. Well, it's right. This idea of communicating with intent is completely different than what you learn in school. Compare and contrast this book and that book. Absolutely. So people, you know, they think they're good writers, but then they get into their first job, their second, their third, and they're, they feel really unequipped to do the writing that's expected of them. Um, and, you know, if they're lucky, maybe, you know, 
they they realize that or someone points it out to them and gives them some some additional training later but a lot of people never get that um so that's definitely something we we try to focus on you know how how can we fill those gaps but you have to know what the gaps are first well you know. and also and then if you add on top of it small business owners where so much of our writing is aside from social media it's marketing focused content and I think one of the reasons I do okay is my journalism degree. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to write a sales page like a novel, no one would get to the end, right? You've Absolutely. got to reverse pyramid it, right? Like what's in it for them? That's got to be the attention grabber and write it more like a newspaper article than a composition. Absolutely. I, I think like we learned a lot of really bad habits in school and saving the mic drop for the end is is one of those things. Don't Especially do that, now people. that right? <laughs> nobody pays attention. Exactly. Our our attention spans are dwindling. Like no one is gonna get there if you save the juicy stuff for the end. If they have to scroll eight times before, you know, you your your big reveal or whatever, you know, they're not gonna get to it. It's not just that it won't be impactful, it's that they'll never see it. They'll never even see it. Yeah. And one of the tips that I give people not just in the writing bit in general is just always come from a place where you assume nobody knows what you're talking about. Yes. Oh yeah. Because we use jargon. I laugh because I, my test scores in my degree would tell you that I score off the charts on taking complex situations and breaking it down into small pieces. And while that might be true, the Things that go back and forth between my insistent and I would have you believing I have no idea what I'm talking about most of the time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, but it's also, you know, the way you write for your assistant is com- it's just completely different than the way you're going to write that polished marketing copy right. that, you know, hundreds of, of eyes will see. And that's okay. You know, I think people don't have to, you know, I had an intern one time who she was wonderful. Um, but I was, we were going back and forth on a project and we're literally emailing back and forth almost like you would text, you know, or at least with that frequency, you know, it was like a ongoing real-time conversation, which is not a great way to use email, but it's what we were doing. And every single time she responded to me, she would, she would include a pleasantry, something like, hope your afternoon is going really well. Hope you're having a great day. And I thought, well, I was having a great day a minute ago. I'm still having a great day. I was having a great day five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago. You know, so I think it's also about developing this judgment piece. You know, it's, it's understanding your audience. It's understanding what you're trying to get out of a particular um, document or conversation, and then understanding how to adjust your writing style to, to match that. Well, and I think the other place where this becomes so important for small business owners and in certain departments, like this was my job in corporate as well, is in any business where you have to deliver a proposal as part of your sales process. Mm-hmm. And people jump steps in the sales process and just deliver these proposals that aren't clear. All they talk about is money, scope of work without framework, right? They miss such an opportunity to reconnect. Oh, absolutely. And I think being realistic about, yeah, just where you are in a particular conversation is so important. Um, and and what is the purpose of that single document? You know, I think about um, resumes as like a great example of this. I'll ask people, you know, what are you trying to accomplish with this resume? And they'll say, oh, I want to land my dream job. 
a resume doesn't land you your dream job. A resume gets you an interview. Right. So that's the purpose of your resume, not to get your dream job. It's just to basically get one step further in that process. And that that's actually a relief. It takes a ton of pressure off that resume too, and, and, and helps you be a lot more targeted. So, you know, I think, I think people try to do too much and they put too more, too much pressure on each thing that they write. And that contributes to this sort of general sense that writing's the worst and it's hard and everyone hates it. <laughs> oh, it's so true. And I, it's so crazy because we met kind of randomly, right? And yet yep. you are the only person, and I talk to probably 20 business owners a week, a week, and you are the only person in all these years to say something that I also explain the same way. The goal of every piece of communication is one thing. It's to invite people to take one single mm. further step with you. Mm-hmm. And that jumping steps, trying to sell somebody something from your 30-second introduction, trying to land your dream job from a resume, trying to solve the world's problems and guess every caveat of every scenario that could ever happen and putting the answers in an email is what messes people up. Oh, and it also makes the other person's job harder, actually. I mean, clarity is kindness. Exactly. If I actually thought that a recruiter was going to make an exception for me and, and, you know, decide until I go advocate for me or something to like resume, here's your seven figure job. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like think how much work that other person would have to do to, to help you jump all of those steps. I mean, so it's also, it's, it's inconsistent consider it for so many reasons. And like you said, the, the right approach is actually the easier approach. Love it. Love it. Yes. You should say that again, Aaron. (laughs) Right. The right approach is the easy, is actually the easier approach, which we all love that, right? That's the easy button. The right approach is actually the easy button. So I'm intrigued and I love the story of your business model because I work with a lot of writers. I think I attract a lot of writers because it's my thing. Um, So I end up working with a lot of writers who are trying to create larger businesses and they all hit the same problem. And as is the case for many freelance type businesses, it's a bandwidth problem, right? You can, you cap your income when it's just you charging for the hour of service that you provide. So what was your, you know, what's the origin story for Bold Type, which by the way, I love the name of the company. I, my oh, journalism, my, my reporter days loves the name of your company, but like, what, <laughs> what's the origin story there for Bold Type and how you figured out a different way to do this? Let's take a quick break. Intentional lead generation is the missing piece in most business owners' growth strategy. It's the bridge that moves people from experiencing your marketing and into actual sales conversations with you. If you want to learn how to bridge this gap in your business, join us on May 16th for the Lead Gen Masterclass and learn how to work smarter, not harder, to grow your business. You can register at conqueryourbusiness.com. We've made it easy for you. Just look for the pop-up. Absolutely. Well, a a few things. I mean, I I definitely did a lot of freelancing before I started Bold Type. And I I would do, you know, 
well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I got my start working in college writing centers. And so I was doing one-on-one, you know, writing consultations, um, you know, small group presentations, presentations to classes about different writing topics. Um, so I started doing that. And then while I was in graduate school, started freelancing as well. Uh, and I would do anything. I would say yes to anything that was remotely in my wheelhouse. You ready for this? In college, I actually wrote, I traded writing somebody's term paper. Like he read and did the thing and then I helped sure. him write it. And for trade, he changed the carburetor in my car. That's a great trade. <laughs> right? It was 1991. This is what we did back then. I love it. That's a great trade. my car and I wrote his paper for it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. right. Um, yeah. So I was doing that. I, I started freelancing. I would say yes to anything. I edited children's book manuscripts. I wrote, um, per- rewrote performance reviews for a multinational oh, law a firm. One. It sure was, um, you know, all kinds of things. I wrote pitch pitch emails. I, d- I did anything that came across, edited all kinds of, of weird stuff. Um, <laughs> I would do anything that came across my, my desk. And I just figured it was a way to, you know, gain a lot of exposure, uh, and kind of start to figure out what it is that I, that I really wanted to do. Um, you know, in case I didn't want to go into to academia, which I did think that I would do for a long time. And, um, my business partner, Casey was doing the same thing. We were both freelancing a lot. And so two things, we had a mentor who had done a business like bold type for a long time. So we did get to witness, you know, this training model. So helpful. Absolutely. I I don't think, I don't know that we would have known it was an option if we hadn't seen him doing it. So I I just want to say very clearly that we, we owe him a lot because, he but showed us that, what was yeah. possible. And I have that, I have had that exact conversation four, four times, three, four times just in the past couple of days with extremely high performing on the verge of seven figure businesses that just sometimes it takes that outside approach to say, look, there's a slightly different model here that can make a big difference for you. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I used to think, oh, maybe I could make a living freelancing. I could make a living editing. I could write proposals. You know, I could, I could do that. I, you know, get a, people know that I do this work. So I do get, you know, referrals. I get inbound requests for that kind of thing. I could probably make a living doing that. And I know people who do make a Absolutely. good living doing that. Um, and it's, it's really valid, but, you know, I think I was, we were pretty interested in also, you know, developing a brand and and creating a business that we thought could scale and wasn't just tied to the hours that we had directly to give performing the service in a given week. And that was the nice thing about this training model um, is, is that you could reach more than one person at once. Um, and we could package up a lot of our expertise and a lot of our experience um, and then, you know, sell that, deliver the workshops. But we're not just charging for our three hours of time. When we give a workshop, we're charging for all of our expertise and all of our time, you know, building that training. So it felt a lot more scalable. And that's something that you can teach other people to deliver for you as well. It also helps that that to me felt more rewarding. And I don't know that that would be true for everyone, but I liked the, you know, the interpersonal interaction. Um, I loved Well, also you had that background where you were contemplating academia as a career as well. Absolutely. And I, and I had certainly had teaching experience. So it, you know, it's something that I felt comfortable doing. Um, 
And yeah, it just felt to me like a, a better way to scale and like a sort of a more dynamic model than well, just. And what, and what you, what you did is finding that intersection. And I talk about this all the time and I love that you're such a great example of it. Where is the intersection between the thing that I'm great at, my ideal client's biggest problem? Like, where is that intersection? And if you play in that space, not that every day is puppies and rainbows and unicorns, I'm sure, but it's certainly going to be a lot more successful and a lot easier or a lot happier or fulfilling than people I watch, like, do what I call the bang your head against the wall business models. Oh, yeah. Well, and also, is it something that people, is it a problem that your client, your prospective clients know they have? And is it something that they're willing to pay for? (laughs) I mean, and it's, it's, so it's, it's just, it's pragmatic, right? It's, it's, um, yeah, it's pragmatic. So one of the things that I like to do here, and this is how I, it's also like a mini test. This is how I can tell that I'm talking to like real entrepreneurs. Um, Let's, let's shorten people's learning curves on the business building side. What have you done that doesn't work that we can just warn people off of? Like, just don't do what I do. And don't, uh, my favorite thing is don't do what I did. You'll be better. All right. You'll just be better off. For sure. It. Yeah. And my true entrepreneurs like, oh, which story do you want? Like, absolutely. Um, two things come to mind for me. And what, one is be really careful about how much coaching you personally, as the owner of the business, agreed to do. Um, because it's extremely meaningful work, but one-on-one coaching like that requires an enormous output of energy from you. And you, if you are running a business, um, you know, you have more responsibilities than just delivering services End up with a bandwidth problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think you have to, um, I think people tend to look at their calendars and they think I have 40 hours a week or whatever. I can pack a ton of client work into that, but realistically, just because your calendar says that you're available does not mean that you actually have availability for yet another right. client that week. And, and it's also like my guidelines that I use is I want my calendar to be 50% marketing and growing my business, 20, 25% client facing and 20 to 25% team building and admin. Oh, I, I love that. Aaron. That's my guidelines. Yeah, that'll preach. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's a reason we got along. <laughs> yes, exactly. So many things we agree about. Yes. No, absolutely. You're absolutely dead on. And that's people do it out of scarcity. They do it because, like you said, they just don't realize the math behind it. Um, and the other thing you said that's so, so, so true is when you give a workshop, you're not charging for three hours of time, you're charging for all of your expertise. And I think that's a place people go wrong a lot, especially like if they come out of corporate, if they come out of a job mentality, they're saying, oh, well, it's only taking me three hours. No, it's not. It's taking you a decade of experience to be able to do the workshop in three hours. Absolutely. Yeah. Your your fee for your time to show up and do that thing is just one line item and the project, the cost of the project. Um, and it takes, sure, it takes some some trial and error. You should talk to people. You should get a sense for what an appropriate, you know, rate is. And, you know, when you're just starting out, maybe maybe the uh, the margin between like your actual hourly rate and the total project rate is like fairly small, but over time it can and should grow. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And, and that's, 
I tell your, people, that's how you pay for your overhead. Yeah. It's so true. And I tell people, especially starting out that your fee is not a math problem. It's a gut problem. Oh yeah. It becomes a math problem, but in the beginning, it's really a gut problem. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then what's gone really well? What's something that you're just proud of that mm-hmm. moment? Like, yeah, I think actually, since I was already talking about coaching, um, and this is this is not some brilliant thing that no one else has ever thought of before, but we, you know, kind of realized like, wow, we're really um, burning ourselves out doing a lot of one-on-one work, and we're basically we're recreating the wheel every time, every mm-hmm. time. It's like a custom solution for every client, and that is exhausting and it's not sustainable. It will absolutely lead to burnout. Um, and you might be delivering an amazing service, but you it's like you cannot possibly charge enough to actually compensate yourself for doing that. So one of the things that, that I was most proud of is a couple of years ago, I finally was like, I'm going to spend a couple of months and I'm going to create a standard coaching program package. And that is what we're going to sell and I'm going to hire other people who can actually deliver it. And that has been one of the best changes in our business because it frees up myself and my business partner from doing a lot of the the service delivery. Um, But also I can, when I have sales calls, I like, I know what that product, we think about coaching as a product really, rather than Mm -hmm. a service. I know what that product entails. I spent years creating it and putting it together. I can talk about it. um, And I, I feel really, you know, really good about what it is that I'm selling to people. Absolutely. And what you've done effectively, the way that I describe it, is you crossed over the bridge from entrepreneur to business owner. The way that you're talking about what you're doing is different than what a solopreneur. And I, you know, I say entrepreneur because that word doesn't really mean the same thing it used. It used to mean like venture capitalist. And now it means more like someone who doesn't work for a company. So, but crossing that bridge into the way you're making your decisions. And this is like a really big teaching point is the way you're making decisions as a business owner. Because if your decision-making process is not, your come from energy is not business owner, you're not going to make the right decisions. Oh, absolutely. Well, and because I'm a a writing person. <laughs> I have to talk about too, how, when you're doing that, if you're trying to think about the the problems that your clients have, you're trying to create products and services that, that solve the problems that they have. Writing is a big part of that. You know, we're teaching writing, but also you have to write about your products and services in a way that mm-hmm. your audience will resonate with. You have to have conversations with them. So you know what keywords they use, what questions they ask, and you have to reflect those things in your copy. You know, you have to work on, on descriptions of workshops or services or products that you don't have to change every time you send them to a new client, for example. I mean, it's incredible as a, as a writing expert, how long it took me to learn that lesson that I, I don't, I don't need to write a new workshop description for every client who, you know, asks for a proposal. Um, think about my clients, think about their problems, think about their questions, and then intentionally write something that I can use over and over and over. And that's how you start thinking like a business owner too. It's how you can scale things when you're not having to recreate the wheel every single time. And the other thing you started out with though, before you do all that is you talk to people. 
doing that work in a bubble is not as effective. Like you're, you probably have reasonable yeah. instincts, but you can't reflect back and you can't create resonating copy if you're not talking to anybody. That's right. <laughs> well, and you might know what people need, but it may not be what they want, what they think yeah. they need, what they want to buy. Or so the you way they to- say it. Or the way they say it. Absolutely. So, so it's not, I mean, your, your model, your products, your services might be completely viable, but if you don't understand, yeah, the words that your clients use, um, the, the way they ask for things, the way they describe things, what they think their problems are, you, you won't be able to, you won't be able to sell anything to them because they won't understand that what you offer is in fact what they need. You won't have that mic drop moment that. Yeah takes people to that next step with you. Yeah. Exactly. So that sounds like a really good softball there. If people want to take this next step with you, <laughs> if people want to see communication, if people want to take the next step, if they want to reach out and connect with you, and I really recommend that they do and find out more about how you can help them and see what a f- amazing, amazing difference. Like I cannot stress this enough, how important this is in business. How, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Oh, thank you, Erin. Um, well, our website's a great place to start. It's it's easy. It's www.boldtype.us. Um, we also have a company LinkedIn page under Bold Type. Um, and I'd love to connect with people individually as well. My name is Grace Aldridge Foster on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your insights and your story because I love like right? Sister from another mister on the whole communication (laughs) thing, as well as very exciting to hear about your business model journey and how effective that was. So yay you, good job. And thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Erin. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ready Yet podcast. I truly enjoy bringing these stories of success and inspiration to you. Please join us in our mission to empower entrepreneurs to be in charge of their businesses and in charge of their lives by sharing this with anyone you know who would benefit from our tactical and motivating advice, leaving us a review, and letting us know if there are any particular topics you would really appreciate hearing about. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ready Yet podcast. I truly enjoy bringing these stories of success and inspiration to you. Please join us in our mission to empower entrepreneurs to be in charge of their businesses and in charge of their lives by sharing this with anyone you know who would benefit from our tactical and motivating advice, leaving us a review, and letting us know if there are any particular topics you would really appreciate hearing about. See you next time.